Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Sapient. Today on the episode, we have Mr. Nathan, who is from Australia. So, hi Nathan, welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to be here. Sure, thank you very much. Um, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Nathan Kassar, Master of Ceremonies. I specialize in creating unforgettable experiences through live events such as weddings, corporate events, and uh, a whole bunch of events in between. And essentially, I, I craft the event experience in order to just be the most amazing people can possibly imagine. Got it. So what really got interested in, you know, this profession? Can I ask that? Yeah, of course. I, uh, so I used to work on cruise ships. So I started, uh, well, if you go a little bit further back, I mm -hmm. uh, actually, well, still started with cruise ships just a little bit differently when I was 14. I, I was inspired by the cruise directors on board, uh, a PO cruise, a PO Australia cruise that I went on and mm -hmm. just was totally in awe of everything that that was about and the way that that those those people were able to capture the audience the way they were able to create this lasting memory and impression on me and so yeah. just simply by being amazing people who had this ability to craft words and their their bodies to you know excite people and so i was like you know this is what I have to do. And so uh, I kept that dream alive all the way until I was uh, 22 at the end of my university career. Applied for Princess Cruises, got the job as a junior assistant cruise director. And then that continued on until I became a fleet supervisor of entertainment experience. And so I was then in responsible for the entire fleet uh, of cruise directors and crew staff across the 17 ships at the time. They don't have that many anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, essentially from there, I, I, I was then responsible for creating uh, big scale game shows as well as training the cruise directors and cruise, cruise staff across the fleet. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was quite the time. It was really the, quite the time. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, but as we all know, the, um, the big elephant in the room, COVID, uh, we, uh, that, that significantly impacted the cruise industry, I, I would dare say, the most out of any industry in the world, really, because it's still mm -hmm. the one industry I would say is still being affected by COVID today very significantly. And, uh, and uh, so unfortunately, I had to return from living in Los Angeles and came home to Australia, permanently relocated. And uh, I started my business two weeks after my brother's wedding that I hosted in April 21. And uh, I just received so many compliments from people in the audience who I'd never met before. And mm -hmm. just because I've been fly out, fly in, fly in for so long. And so, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a great opportunity to get a raw audience who'd never seen me on land in Australia before mm -hmm. and uh, great sort of prompt to, to get me going on this new journey. And so it's been just over two years now and I've just hit into my third year of business and uh, it's uh, definitely been a whirlwind journey that I'm, I'm really proud of. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was my next question, you know, uh, what all have you seen in the past, let's say the two years of the business? Yeah. So these last two years have been quite interesting. The first year was very, very, very startup, very developmental in, mm -hmm. in very many different ways. So for instance, I, you know, had to contend with an un, uh, an unforeseen second lockdown that came almost immediately mm -hmm. after I started the momentum of the business. And that was tricky. That was, I would dare say, one of the hardest things that I had to go through in my life because 
all of a sudden I'm starting this new job out of a, uh, out of a passion of mine. And then all of a sudden it just came not crashing down, but certainly it made me, you know, question if this was a viable option again, just as mm -hmm. soon as I started getting a couple of weddings and so forth and building some promotional material on my website. But I held firm. I did a virtual trivia show that I'm like, I created an entire show and I did it for about 14 weeks with uh, for about two, 250 people across the entire 14 weeks in my local area just to give back. And I just did it for free. I didn't, I yeah, got a couple of donations, but it was just for free mm -hmm. and uh, kept my brand alive, kept working on things on the back end. And then when the time came to, to make the choice of, you know, okay, right. The world's opening up again, sort of. And uh, you know, I've had a couple of weddings lined up just uh, November and December. And I was like, okay, well, it's time to, time to get going. And so I did. And uh, I went from six weddings and four corporate events in uh, uh, 21 to mm -hmm. uh, 86 events in total last year, including oh, 50 weddings. So it was definitely mm -hmm. a, um, a meteoric rise compared to my first year. My second <laughs> year is definitely uh, was filled with a lot of uh, with a lot. Well, it, it was the bulk of the awards that I've received so far. I've received more this year as well, particularly in the wedding industry, although I'm beginning mm -hmm. to branch into business awards as well um, at the mm -hmm. moment and just want, wanting to expand my repertoire of, of social authority. So I'm grateful for the support that I've received from clients. I'm grateful, of course, for those people that have trusted me with their events as the face and voice of those events, particularly for weddings. Uh, there's a lot that goes onto my shoulders when those, when these events take place and uh, I've couldn't, my success is obviously attributed to the people that have, you know, that spent the time trusting and choosing me as their MC. So it's, it's been a, been a whirlwind journey. So, um, this this financial year, you know, what what is your target in terms of uh, events that you're going to do? Yeah, great question. So for me, um, my, I separated into two two steps. So for weddings, for instance, uh, a lot of people would argue have argued in the past, particularly when my prices were low. I I had a I've had a very steady rise in my prices to match my what i know to be my skill level and what i present to the mm -hmm. industry it's a very unique entry um i'm i'm definitely am an outlier when it comes to uh my service offering because my cruciate background it just trains us differently and so i'm offering a very very dynamic wedding experience that's not very common in australia and mm -hmm. so people have said oh well you know you should be putting your prices up quite significantly because of that i said well you're right but if i put my prices up too much yeah and too quickly people will i won't be able to do as many weddings and as much mm -hmm. as don't get me wrong i aspire and will want mm -hmm. and do desire to do big you know uh very big sort of flashy kind of produced weddings as well like the high-end stuff i do want to do that i do want mm -hmm. to get into those circles but for the vast majority of, the, of my year i would I, i'm totally happy you know, sitting below $2,000 uh, for my wedding MC experience and mm -hmm. capturing as many weddings as I possibly can in one year, because I just love weddings. I just love the experience of it. And there's so many of them going on. So it gets me to do, it allows me to do what I love doing, which is hosting, you know, happy memories. Mm -hmm. Corporate is where I plan on actually expanding my financial uh, sort of, you know, uh, boundaries, I should say. Got it. So, 
corporate is is another whole world entirely it's very much a who you know kind of environment of course as you probably are aware and so mm-hmm. it's important that you know you you take that journey a lot more consistently a lot more readily planned and i've got a big focus right now on trying to get an appropriate pricing strategy in place that is attractive to corporate because there's there's for instance um you know if you're too cheap for a particular conference you're not going to be considered It's yeah, just flat out. You're just not going to be considered at all. They're just not going to want your time <laughs> because they're going to think that you are too cheap for them. And that's yeah. fair. That is, that is the market there. So, but you know, there are some gigs that don't require like council gigs, for instance, that I do quite a lot of, they don't have a lot of money. Charity events usually require, you know, a lower rate as well. Uh, and these are totally fine with me. Like I'm totally happy to have a variance in that. It's about negotiating. It's about, you know, them seeing if they see value in me, then it's about saying, okay, well, then how much do you value? value me you know what what is the mm-hmm. not how much am i taking you to the cleaners just how much are we what's appropriate in this this case and what do you desire um in order to have my services so corporate is where i plan on really uh building my capital uh there's you know we can do it i can i plan on doing events upwards of five thousand or more particularly depending on what kind of event it is uh mm-hmm. per day and so because what i do is a specialized talent so that you you often that's what you do you pay for that kind of specialized talent so just like a consultant or something other specialized that you would imagine in a mm-hmm. particular industry yeah uh, so uh, m- my next question is is it true that uh, the australian market is um, built or you know designed very similar to uh, us market mm, y- y- to a degree um uh-huh. having worked in american corporate i can tell you that australia is behind and that's not me okay. you know razzing on my own country that's just me just mm-hmm. stating a fact and many people that i experienced something very interesting when i returned back to australia mm-hmm. i found out that australia is quite more conservative corporate speaking than i had anticipated um mm-hmm. since working abroad what i mean by that is is that when i started applying for jobs i okay. was presented with a strange reality that essentially mm-hmm. even though i had you know i would dare say it's probably characterize it as a junior management experience in corporate. Um, mm-hmm. I was confronted with the fact that I was just not attractive to any people here in Australia at all. They do not care about uh, foreign experience unless mm-hmm. of course, you know, you're executive C-suite director above, you know, Got it. where you can provide, yeah. you know, ridiculous amounts of value to the companies that mm-hmm. come in and you're, you're providing cross sort of you know, skills. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so like typically, upper management, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. Unless you're okay, that, which, you know, it's not very many, not a, not a big percentage, it's the top of the pyramid, of right? So yeah. typically, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have, you can say, oh, I've got like skills, I've got, I can, you know, let, you know, here's all the things, here's my portfolio. It's, it's unless you're headhunted, it's very hard to translate that foreign experience over to the corporate market here in Australia. And so I realized that we're just a lot more behind the curve. We're a lot more mm-hmm. conservative. We don't, yes, we mirror some elements of the American system but mm-hmm. i would say that look there's good points to that too like for instance we don't model our work ethic off the american system too much for instance mm-hmm. we still have a very good system of um 
like a culture of of allowing people to take re- uh, holidays regularly, for instance, yeah. which is a great thing because, you know, that just kind of speaks for itself. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Americans, you know, <laughs> will work themselves to the bone. And I, I met yes. plenty of people when I was on cruise ships who would say, oh, this is my first holiday in 15 years. And it was heartbreaking to hear that because my, my dad was able to take several holidays a year and take us all on a trip, you know, uh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I got to have a much more robust childhood than, than the people I was entertaining and ever had, which was yeah. just really so sad to hear but in a greater sense yes there are some things that that australia does mirror or try to aspire to in the in the the, the corporate landscape when uh, compared to america uh but certainly mm-hmm. we have got a long way to go if we want to d- sort of stand tall as a mm-hmm. Look, there are other countries that other co- that corporate are going to go to before they come to us, unless, of course, we're geographically advantageous. And so Got it. it's, it's definitely a question. They, I'm not surprised that Sydney, for instance, isn't the first choice. It, it's a good choice, but it's not the first choice of capital cities for corporate headquarters for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, now that you, know, you are a business owner, um what was the you know initial reaction from people around you when you said you know i'm going to go and try this and it might or it might not work out but you know i'm going to give it a try yeah um, great question actually uh, so i there was obvious look i had a lot of support i had a lot of support from friends family my the, the small amount of event network that i had here as well i had a bit of small mentor network that i tapped into uh just as i started the business that i'd had previously before i went to ships back in 2015 so i had a little bit of residual past a part of my past life here that i was able to tap into and everyone was supportive of course um mm-hmm. people also knew that the skills that i had wasn't like it wasn't like i was just inspired by something within like i had no like skills or i had a kernel of something but it was not really fleshed out like people could clearly see that i had spent meticulously years upon years of my life professionally working abroad and had mm-hmm. learnt and tapped into a part of my abilities that i've been born with to effectively you know market something for a business that would be successful so people mm-hmm. didn't doubt that I'd be successful. I think the people that, you know, uh, so I've had a couple of detractors, but they haven't come from my network. They haven't come from my mm-hmm. family. They haven't come from my friends, thankfully, because uh, I've got good networks, good good, <laughs> good support networks there. But yeah. where they have come from is, and it's only been very small, and I, I ignore it pretty much, but, but mm-hmm. there has been some derision amongst my fellow peers in the in the MC industry because we're a very small niche, and so it's it's easy and also it's very ego driven. As I learnt, you know, I'm very accustomed to this. You know, the cruise director world is also very very ego driven as well. It's a small pyramid sort of you know uh, hierarchical structure. There's a lot of people down the bottom and small mm-hmm. amounts of people at the top, and so you know yeah. clearly you know people are very protective of a kingdom so to speak that they've created you know their reputation as being the only go-to is Mm -hmm. is something that they protect very highly and i respect that i do and it's not that i ever did anything or ever intend to do anything to specifically 
go after that. That's that's them. If anything, I want to build the niche up. If anything, I want to uh, provide an avenue for for me to be to, to to essentially do a good enough job that the reputation of all of us collectively as an industry niche rise up together. Unfortunately, I've seen some derision amongst some people that I compete against who mm-hmm. are a little unhappy that I have brought a unique style of entertainment that is quite attractive to the Australian market and just in general because the cruise mm-hmm. the cruise type of it the type of entertainment and live improvisational hosting that we do as cruise directors is mm-hmm. obviously very larger than live and very and very you know aspirational and it, it does capture audiences very quickly as it's supposed to do like on cruise ships um like on you know regular cruises you go on and so mm-hmm. it's it's I've broken into the market very quickly, and I've also been grateful to have been awarded with several awards that some of them were enjoying for quite some time, not having much competition for. Mm-hmm. I, the competition is always really important, and I welcome any opportunity to to you know to be challenged on those once again in the future so that i Mm -hmm. then know i need to improve my skills it's and then also it's not just about the awards the awards are you know they're complementary to the greater scheme of of what we do business for which is to create lasting memories for for our clients and so my focus is always back there it's not back on the the reputational you know uh bravado it's not on the 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 boost to my ego because i'm you know getting lots of success and compliments and everything from people. I don't need any of that. I don't need pats on the back. What I need is yeah. to know that I'm making a difference to my clients and to my, the, you know, my couples out there who are relying on me to make their events amazing. So I just stay focused to that. Mm-hmm. I don't focus on the people, the small, very tiny group of people who I'm sad that they don't partner with me. And instead, mm-hmm. I, but it's like I said, very small. I've received Across the board, I'm grateful to have received a lot of network partnerships and and fellowship amongst uh, cross uh, cross niches in the industry, in the event industry, as well as people within my own MC niche as well. So, shout out to all my friends in the MC world who have been extremely complimentary to me and of course have welcomed me with open arms as well so it's a very tiny percentage of people um Mm -hmm. who have just like it was when i was on cruise ships a tiny tiny percent of people who have instead not desired to accept me and instead keep me at arm's length or to be wary of me and that's fine that's up to them but i hold no malice towards that and i'm just ready to keep moving forward and do the best for my clients and my couples so uh, you know it almost feels like um they hate you because you probably are making them work harder than they want to work <laughs> well i want to preface by saying that the, the word hate is probably a strong word and i don't think that they, they uh-huh. hate me either but but then i see what i you would do. use the word discontent <laughs> sure i think yeah i think definitely a lighter word is more appropriate there um no yeah. look, you, you know but the sentiment of what you're saying is correct i think yes just like mm-hmm. my experience when i was on ships as well i had a lot of a lot of detractors who you know didn't like he's a great example i had just joined my fourth contract on the star princess and um mm-hmm. i you know i'd like to do things right and there was a particular evening where um i uh we were I just joined, it was like my first week on board, getting settled to everything, getting to know the team. And it's all very much, you know, it's always a different environment when you go back to these, even if you go back to the same ship, it's different team, different people, different environment. It's always an adjustment period. 
there was mm-hmm. a we had a theme night coming up with the, with the band who had just arrived on board as well and so the idea was as, as crew staff we're meant to provide them a run sheet for the night and also an intended um band set list for them to perform each of the songs and what the games were going to do for the audience and things like that very very simple mm-hmm. but unfortunately it's something that a lot of crew staff it's a it's a job that they don't like doing either because they don't know how to do it but more importantly because they just don't actually really like taking care of those small little details some not all of them of course mm-hmm. again this is not a blanket conversation it's just it's just a, it's it is an observation that does occur <laughs> with some people in the <laughs> industry and yeah. so just like any industry has some people who take shortcuts so to speak yes anyway, so i'm not a shortcuts kind of guy and i wouldn't be it wouldn't be here where i am today if it was if i was a shortcuts kind of guy and so I, you know, didn't take shortcuts and I prepared the run sheet. Now I was going backstage, just about to confer with the band and meet them for the first time. We're talking like two, three minutes before we were supposed to go to show. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing a colleague of mine who I just met, who clearly did not like me from day one, talking about me behind my back, um, you know, saying how I was to the effect of essentially, you know, being over the top and overbearing and did all this and did, you know, and all like, being upset that I did the run sheet, like, you know, mm-hmm. did, did the thing that no one else on the team is doing, essentially making him look, he, he felt like I upstaged him because he'd been there for a few weeks and, you know, I just got on board. End of the day, no one else did it. I took the initiative and then you're upset at me. I, yeah, you know, and then you're going to talk behind my back and make make fun of me to the to the band that's just arrived there. Not on. Mm-hmm. So I nipped it right in the bud and I, I called him out on it. I said, mate, I just heard what you said. He's like, oh, he's got very defensive. Doesn't like confrontation. Apparently, he's very happy to to cause conflict, but doesn't didn't like to then be uh, confronted one after he created the conflict. And I mm-hmm. said, mate, look, you don't have to like me. You know, I know you've got so and so amount of months left on my con- on your contract, and I'm here for the full six, so it's fine. We don't have to. It's very clear that I'm not somebody we're going to be friends, and that's okay. <laughs> but we have to work yeah. together, and so. If you can just do me a favor and not do anything like that again, we will mm-hmm. we will be fine. If you do, well, we're going to have a problem that's going to have to get escalated to to the appropriate people on the ship. And so, mm-hmm. how about? And he was got all very, but this is the kind. And look, he agreed to it, and you know, we kept cordial throughout. Look, it was it was frosty, but we kept cordial throughout our contracts, and you know, nothing like that ever. <laughs> as far as I was able to overtly see, happened again. Yeah, but it's a it's a, it's an example amongst many different small examples of, you know, the small percentage of people, as I was talking about just previously, of people mm-hmm. who, as you, as you correctly identified, I these when 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 someone comes into a team and lifts the status quo, lifts the mean average amount of effort, unfortunately, yeah. that then does put people into two camps: people who are inspired mm-hmm. by that. And then people who are yeah. upset that they're that they're sort of you know their paradise is now being interrupted because they have to work harder or at least look like they're not working hard enough. I've never yes. had any compassion for that second side of thinking because mm-hmm. as much as I will always be willing to have a conversation with people so that mm-hmm. if I am perhaps in my efforts unfairly putting people in people different positions or there's a way that something that I'm unaware of of my sort of efforts mm-hmm. at causing other problems that are completely unintentional, but still need to be dealt with, unless it's something like that, then sorry, like we're here to work. And if you don't want to work, mm-hmm. well, that's fine. Yeah. Like, you're welcome to go home. You're welcome to step aside. But at the end of yeah. the day, our clients, our couples, our audience, our guests 
are the reason why we're being paid and here in the first place. So yes, it's important that we remember that if that is not something you're committed to feel free to step aside. And, uh, I was, I guess I was in some way rewarded for my, for my efforts because I was eventually promoted above these people to, to a very special corporate job, as I mentioned before, fleet supervisor of entertainment mm -hmm. experience, which had a lasting impact in legacy on the way that they did things. And so it wasn't, mm -hmm. that's not me saying, ha ha, I got to tell them what to do. No, no, no. It's just, it's, it's the difference between people who have ridden the, the wave really easily. Mm -hmm. versus the people who like myself who worked hard and committed and didn't didn't get distracted by detractors like that and then i was able to see the benefits long term so so yeah let's talk a little bit more about the cruise life you know that you had because it's a very uh different and unique kind of uh, lifestyle right because you are you know offshore for months and months together so um let's say when you started in in the you know cruising industry did you feel like um you know like a little bit different or you know let's say that realization of you know i am away from home for these many months you know uh with you know very less connection to the outside world mm. and also how long was your initial contract yeah so when you're in, when you're a regular crew crew member your mm -hmm. particular average well it depends on what kind of job you have uh but typically for for an, most roles on board uh mm -hmm. most guest facing roles are an average six month contract and look, okay. you're right in some way to say that there's a level of isolation of course there is i mean you're in the middle of the ocean blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but but there's also a level of community that you build when you're on there that's that's there's a part of it that's kind of intangible and hard to translate to people um mm -hmm. that's difficult to be able to say like I, I i it's unless you're part of the cruise industry it's there's a there's a language there's about five percent that i can never really relay to people who will truly understand it um mm -hmm. i could explain it in all different ways and people would be like oh that's fascinating but they would, i know that they would have a missing link it's like a missing piece of the algorithm to understand the full puzzle so to speak uh mm -hmm. but but you, yeah look the, the cruise industry is um it's very communal i actually just encountered a uh a disney crew staff uh, ex-crew girl um we held the same position for different cruise lines uh mm -hmm. just at a wedding i did recently and it's funny because she like i've had people in the past identify um me or say point out and say oh you make a good cruise director without me actually having said originally to them that i was uh working on ships in entertainment uh but mm -hmm. it was funny because as i had finished my intro to this wedding it was just saturday gone and uh she immediately i was called to the table and they said oh you were a cruise director weren't you and i said yes and they said mm -hmm. we could tell immediately she used to work for disney and she knew exactly the moment you opened your mouth that you worked on cruise ships and it's funny because <laughs> there is a there's just a and it kind of goes back to something i signaled before about sort of that level of unique uh the uniqueness of my um my entry into this industry and what are the, mm -hmm. the kind of way i present because the cruise life does it trains you in a different way it trains you mentally in a different way it it, 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 it in a lot of ways it creates a lot of uh, I mean, of course apart from the entertainment side of things and the skills that you learn mm -hmm. on stage but the macro view of it all is that you know you have to you're you're more self-reliant in a lot of ways yes there are there's a community on board but but often you know there's only one chance to do something 
Mm-hmm. And so if you mess up that one opportunity, you're then messing up either the, imp- it has an impact on both your fellow crew members. And of course, on the guests that only have, have had that one chance to enjoy that experience. It's never mm-hmm. going to come back in that same equation ever again. And so yes. that kind of, uh, that kind of spirit sort of understanding that you have to constantly be ready, be on, be presentable, be ready for anything at, at a mm-hmm. moment's notice makes you, it makes you a different kind of person than the average human, I guess. Not better. Just different. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's humbling in a way that I've been, had the opportunity to do so and to learn that and to be immersed in that experience. I mean, I've got plenty of friends more over the world. You know, you encounter 40 plus nationalities. So, you know, it's a mini UN on board. There are certain things mm-hmm. that would shock people to the outside world of how we would talk, talk to one another um, around mm-hmm. the dinner table. There is just an element of respect that comes with it. And you know that there's, a, there's rarely any racial fighting or racial based comments that are made that are taken in the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse to, to say racist things. I mean, as in like, there is just an understanding that like you're all there and you're actually supporting one another and you appreciate where mm-hmm. everyone comes from. And yeah. that you know, people have significant cultural differences that you all embrace in different ways. And yeah. it's, it's celebrated and it's never questioned apart from very, very minute opportunities where people are just the wrong element and then get kicked out mm-hmm. very, very quickly because they don't belong. And so for, for, for right reasons, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting world that there's a little bit, that's very hard to translate on any podcast or any interview, but I certainly would say that it was one of the most amazing experiences in my life. I learned a lot, made a lot of beautiful friends. And most importantly, I built skills that have, that will, will and already have can continue to last a lifetime and leave an impression on me that feels every second that I'm on stage today, every interaction that I have and every interaction I do just sitting in my computer here in my home office too. There is just mm-hmm. a, a degree of particularity and sophistication and etiquette and uh, way of being that cruise ships give you that mm-hmm. set a standard that is unique to others in business that I just lean back on every single day. Got it. So do you think, uh, I think, you know, this is something that I'm just uh, understanding now that you, you know, as a person who is working in cruise, you have a unique opportunity unique opportunity i think to practice your skills in a very uh, let's say less distractive manner because of you know the isolation that comes with cruising um, do you think that helps in terms of just every day show up you know practice your skills go back again you know rinse and repeat the same process you know resulting in a let's say better skill level than any other industry Yes, you've definitely tapped into something interesting here. So you're right. If it's done in the right way, I go back to, I go back to the, to the, to the discussion I meant about, I discussed about the, 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 the gentleman in my team who I had a problem mm-hmm. with. Um, and, and look, he, we were, we were, we're perfect examples that both him and I are perfect examples of being in the same environment, having the same access to opportunity, having the same, uh, uh, proximity to, as you mentioned, you know, uh, re- repeated opportunity to do 
to, to, to practice our craft and to, to, to do what we do every day, which is very, obviously mm -hmm. incredibly unique for any live entertainer compared to land. But at the end of it all, he was somebody mm -hmm. who wasted every opportunity he had, took it, took it for granted, enjoyed, you know, the, the social life aspect of cruise ships, which is very, very, you know, very easy to get sucked into. Um, mm -hmm and lean on too much compared to me, which I wanted a more balanced approach. I cared about the work that I did. I dedicated myself. I knew that even though I was doing the same trivia or the same game show, that it was a unique mm -hmm. experience for the couple, uh, so for, the, for the guests that were coming into my space. And so I tried to not do everything the same way, even though it was the same activity. And that mm -hmm. was what really I know set me apart helped me to grow that i didn't just it's so easy on ships particularly in the event space in the entertainment space to just do it the same way cruise in cruise out you're going to get paid regardless you're not going to get mm -hmm. fired because no one's going to be complete not going to be it, it, it takes a bit to get fired <laughs> to be honest and so you know if even if you're not meeting like the most amazing uh, um benchmarks Mm -hmm. perfectly honest you know you know you're going to continue to get more contracts and so um and but i was not happy with the status quo i was not happy with just sitting as i was you know oh yes i can speak on the microphone i can i know how this game show works and i know if i say this one or two things funny things every single time gets the last happy mm -hmm. days go to bed go to the crew bar enjoy my life that was yeah. just not not in me at all that's not a fabric that i possess that's not a character trait that i have i am very much the kind of person who always needs to continue to be better and not not at the not at the uh the risk of not enjoying the current state that i'm in and the success i've currently uh amassed but certainly mm -hmm. knowing that you're only as good as your last gig that is just that's just a fact and so yes. i use that concept to drive my intent to make every gig better than the last by doing mm -hmm. it differently by tweaking it by responding a little bit more quicker or having something more funny to say or just to to, to whatever whatever the tweak i need to make or whatever way i need to do it in order to to improve and better myself each and every mm -hmm. single time and that's pretty much how i've got to where i am today and the success that i have in this industry now so, um, you know, uh, because just to now, you know, you said that, you know, the environment is indeed, you know, an environment that supports, let's say, and delicious talent and skill. Um, but do you think that, you know, uh, because of the, let's say, the scale or the sheer amount of times that you're going to repeat the same thing, you know, throughout the contract or the throughout that six months or eight months or whatever that that time frame is do you think that you know people just get uh you know complacent and in, you know they say you know what this is this is this deck that i have and mm. this is just what i'm going to follow and you know not even uh, i'm not even going to try for you know oh, something yeah, that no, no. is even better creative absolutely people do and look and it, it, it speaks exactly to what i was just saying before people a hundred percent um most of the people that i encountered working on ships they were mm -hmm. particularly happy with just continuing to get more contracts and mm -hmm. sitting within the boundaries of the rules and not causing much division or not rocking the boat so to speak too much mm -hmm. 
Whereas I was never content with that. Uh And because so, and I'm not content with that now in my current business as well. And so, yes, you're right. There are many different things. And I'm not not saying every single little thing that I do is going to be the most, you know, you know, it's not going to be fireworks and, you know, okay. I do Wrigley trivia gigs, for instance, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's a great bread and butter. I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, It makes some money, extra money for me. Do I make every single show the most amazing whiz bang fireworks thing ever? No, of course not. Because, well, first off, the environment doesn't need that anyway. But secondly, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't need to necessarily have to, you know, sometimes rinse and repeat is a good way to, to, yes, with, with, with personality and character, of course, I must preface Uh that to, that's okay. It's fine to do that. But where it really counts, you need to, in business, you really need to identify where it really counts and where it's mm-hmm. actually going to. And also too, if you are employing too much of a rinse and repeat sort of a strategy and attitude mm-hmm. as well, then you also need to monitor if that's also dragging you backwards. Like for instance, yes. if I was being too much rinse and repeat on the trivia side, and that was then impacting the way that I did my weddings, well, then I need to also revise the way that I approach those trivias for a few weeks because I'm now allowing that sort of lazier mindset to slip into the bigger events where it really mm-hmm. truly counts you so where it has a much more lasting impact and that's i'm very much aware of that and it takes a lot of self-reflection essentially it's just important for people to take time to mm-hmm. self-reflect to be um to be aware self-aware of the mm-hmm. impact that they have in whatever they do doesn't have to have anything to do with public speaking or entertainment like I do. But as long as people are aware of just take a moment just to be like, okay, where am I currently at? Where do I want to be? Is there something that I can improve on? Am I getting into a bit of a rut? Am I enjoying the, 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 the laziness that that comes along with not having to self-reflect of my performance so far? And if you're thinking, Mm -hmm. if if you've ticked a couple of boxes while doing that journey, then, you know, make Mm -hmm. a change, you know, change a little tweak, a tweak and make it a little bit different and challenge yourself to do something a little bit different than the last time that then rejolts sort of your mentality to keep yourself on your toes and uh, will create lasting benefit and you'll improve and improving, you'll reach a new rung on the ladder and you'll find yourself mm-hmm. being comfortable with the easy stuff. And then the hard things that were hard before were now slightly easier as well. And they'll eventually become the easy stuff. And this is kind of how I conceive my career. It's always been a, a ch- it's sort of a, a steady climb, a summit. And as I've got to each base camp, I've considered that, oh, well, that was easy now. If I had to redo that particular part of the climb, that would be a mm-hmm. really learned well-structured, efficient experience for me. So now I need to apply my mentality and my efforts that I can perceive the perception of easy for that bottom part, mm-hmm. of the, the lower part of the summit. Now I need to, to apply that to the next summit, next summit climb. And so I just, it's just this mm-hmm. never ending mountain that just continues to go up. And I, I enjoy the process. I enjoy the climb. Got it. Um, so may, may I ask, you know, uh, from on which city you're based from, from Australia? Uh, Sydney, Sydney, Sydney. Okay. And how is the city like general, um, you know, vibe of it, you know, how people are. Yeah. Sydney's, um, look, I, I was like, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I love my, I love my country and I love, I love Sydney in general. Like I, I've been to a lot of capital cities across the world 
and mm-hmm. well, just a lot of cities in general uh, in my time on ships, a lot of port cities, which Sydney is one of them. And, you know, I, I, I there is still nothing really that I found out there that there's a couple of cities that do that are quite beautiful, but I've never really found anything that is impressive as Sydney in terms of the aesthetics with the Sydney Opera House and the, the, the beautiful Royal Botanical Garden and uh, the Sydney, Sydney Harbour Bridge and just the, the aesthetic of it all is, is you know, definitely hard to beat across the world what i will Mm -hmm. say though is that the culture of sydney's changed over the time that i've i've um been away on ships it's Mm -hmm. been heartbreaking i guess in a little bit of a way to see the nightlife in particular leave uh Mm -hmm. through some incredibly misguided perhaps you could argue well intended but certainly misguided uh public policies and laws that were put Mm -hmm. in place in order to supposedly deal with violence um nighttime violence and 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 so forth but unfortunately had a disastrous economic impact that is still very much it's almost basically killed the 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 tree the, the 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 organic nightlife of the 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 biosphere of the the nightlife in 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 sydney because now all the major pillar long-term institutions have either all left or they've had to move outside of the city in order to continue to thrive. And so um, there's not as much to do here, which really does impact a lot of people's perception because, hey, you know, we like to work hard, but then you know, we like to play hard. Mm. If you've got nowhere to play hard, well, what's the point? Yeah. Um, it, it, or also, unfortunately, because as we continue to become more cultured in, from more impacted by the culture of American um, American lifestyles, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the lockdowns in particular and COVID and everything was a interesting time watching, having lived in the States and, <laughs> and having been immersed in the, the landscape of the American political sphere and how mm-hmm. it's it, the, the, the incredibly polarizing lifestyle that people live over there. And I've kept abreast of the American political landscape quite consistently since I've left as well. It's almost at this point mm-hmm. a bit of a soap opera for me, but I do actually, <laughs> obviously, in a more serious note, I do consider it very seriously because it, we have such strong economic and financial and political ties to and social mm-hmm. ties to the states, and so I consider what's happening there to be very, very important to to our lifestyle here. And Australia yeah. has continued to gravitate that, um, mm-hmm. and Sydney in particular because we are the biggest business partner and the, you know, mm-hmm. the biggest capital city. And uh, it's, it's essentially been a, a, um, it's sort of a signal, a case study into how the American culture, the Westernized culture is beginning to really permeate here. And unfortunately also that level of division, polarization and mm-hmm. lack of tolerance is also beginning to come here a bit. And okay. some of the people who were perhaps, you could argue that it was always here and it was just dormant. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But just like in America where uh, the, the, the previous administration ignited through rhetoric and certain policies, mm-hmm. the, it ignited people who, rem- who were slightly dormant following the 80s and the, the 70s, 80s, 90s. And mm-hmm. now we're beginning, we were beginning to see a lot of that also reigniting in a much more stronger way throughout mm-hmm. 2021 and the beginning of 2022. So it's, it's unfortunately sort of here to stay until we deal with it. 
Um, mm -hmm. It hasn't completely created a black cloud over the city, not by any stretch. And I don't, mm -hmm. by, by, I want to sort of sandwich this by saying another positive thing about Sydney again, that for anyone <laughs> listening, yeah. that, you know, that it's, it's definitely a beautiful place still to come to. If you, by the way, I'm just, just happy to shout this out. Feel free to look me up. And uh, if you are coming to Sydney and you hear this, feel free to, to say, Hey, you heard me on the podcast and uh, I'd love to get a tour. I'd love to take you around my, 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 my home city because it is a beautiful place. It still has a lot of, I'm actually getting the privilege now in my current job to be able to really unlock some of the more hidden parts or the things that I just never got to see before because a lot mm -hmm. of these events that take place, they take place in beautiful tucked away little locations or perhaps it's a public yes. place that I never thought could be used in a certain way. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's really has my new job is now unlocked as my previous job and ships, uh, exposed me to the world and helped me to learn how beautiful the rest of the world is around me. Now my mm -hmm. current job is now helping me to learn the beauty and, and a greater, deeper appreciation for how much I love my home city as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, why do you think that, you know, there is that kind of strong bond between what happens in the United States, you know, uh, evidently follows up in Australia. Like, why do you think that phenomena exists in the first place? Yeah. So, well, look, we've, we've been since, well, this actually is a very historical question, really. I think it's, um, mm -hmm. we, we were originally as, as you, you're likely aware, you know, our ties with, with the British, uh, um, empire. Yeah. With the British empire, we, mm -hmm. that was severed in world war two well world war one helped it to be it was it definitely put the impact of us traveling all the way over there being treated just like the with the canadians being treated as sort of you know fodder for the cannon particularly in gallipoli mm -hmm. with the with the with our anzac troops and also in other parts of the western front with 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 canadians and other sort of satellite countries as well in the empire we mm -hmm. begun then after World War One as a nation to start to take toll on, okay, well, you know, we were sent over there and it, yes, we won the war, but it, the way we were treated was not exactly the way that we were hoping to be. It was, it was mm -hmm. not, it was not a way that we wanted to be perceived. And so we were very cautious then of, when World War II came around and people's perception, I mean, yes, there was still this strange rose-colored glasses perspective of what war was like. I mean, it was less romanticized in World War II. There was a lot more of a, you know, due to the the Axis powers led by Hitler, it was more of a survival of 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 um, of, the, of our way of living compared to a basically a family squabble, squabble, squabble mm -hmm. which was you know World War One. There was, a, yeah. you know, there was a lot more of a, of a livelihood at stake, you know, our way of being, uh, which was more, more, more uh, rhetorical and uh, theoretical compared to, and philosophical, I should say, compared to World War One, that World War Two was. But we then, as soon as America stepped in and Britain continued to fail to be a driving force, and they got quickly overran in World War Two. And when America stepped in at the very end in order to, I mean, look, 
to be fair, the Soviet power actually was, they were the ones that really <laughs> actually really made the difference in World War Two. A lot of Americans yeah. will try to tell you that, you know, with, with their, with a lim- who those who possess a limited perspective of history will argue uh-huh. that, that America won World War Two. That is just factually yes. incorrect. However, uh-huh. would I deny that they had an impact? Of course, of course they had an impact. You know, the, the, yeah. the, they were, Woodrow Wilson was, was providing countless ammunitions before Pearl Harbor came into being. And so this, the, the war support, there was clear lines drawn in the sand before they even uh, entered the war post uh, Pearl Harbor. And so, mm-hmm. but after all of that, we then started building a whole bunch of uh, economic and uh, military and po- geopolitical treaties with mm-hmm. the United States. And also, you know, with the formation of the UN uh, after um, World War Two, And it was just a matter of us slowly growing, gravitating towards a power that was technically closer because mm-hmm. Britain is still is, is as far away from Australia. It's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was also another factor. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, geopolitically, well, you know, the, the United States Navy would be here quicker than the British Navy would be by any stretch. <laughs> um, yeah. But also economically, America was becoming the, the center of, of the center superpower of the world. And mm-hmm. over the course of time, sort of to, to not give people too much of a history lesson on this podcast, uh, although if you're interested, I'd love to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can tell, I'm a history minor from uh, from university. <laughs> um, okay. I could have been a major, but I just didn't want to spend another six months. Um, I, <laughs> I, you know, we, Australia then continued to, to, has continued over the course of time to gravitate. And it's also very much mm-hmm. seen now today, the signal, I mean, obviously, you know, it goes without saying Netflix, you know, and all the other, the Hollywood and that whole sort of culture train music has definitely had a massive impact in Australia. People don't, Australian artists don't really see themselves successful unless you are successful in, yes, of course, successful in Australia, but real success is going to LA or going into, you know, getting onto the billboard charts in, in the United States, for instance, uh, even mm-hmm. so much, you could be a success in Britain, for instance, and still not consider yourself to have peaked in your career until you've made it in America. And many, yes. many actually don't ever achieve that in Australia. Um, but we also have, you know, continued to build our, our, our geopolitical ties as well. And it's something even just recently where we snubbed France for um, American based, um, you know, uh, nuclear subs. Yes, was, I saw that. Know, yeah, and that which is huge. <laughs> but what that really shows is, uh, look, I don't, I haven't read too much into that. I, I know that the end of the day, I have other thoughts individually about that whole deal itself. But it's beyond mm-hmm. the scope of this podcast. But the point is, is that what that signaled was really to the world mm-hmm. is that our continued focus geopolitically is in that direction, yeah. and it is not towards Europe as strongly as, oh, we're going to rely on you to, to build, you know, military submarines that are meant to protect our border and all the other sort of philosophical, theoretical things that that stands for. So it was definitely mm-hmm. a signal to the world that this is our direction here. And it still stood for so much more than just military submarines. It stood for the geopolitical and also the cultural impact that America's had on us. Mm-hmm. Got it. I mean, it is really interesting um you know seeing you uh, you just ex, uh, you know help us understand how you know this works because i can tell you for the rest of the world it seems like australia is like a satellite state of united states yeah, i you wouldn't know. i wouldn't deny that yeah I, I, you're right we've, because we've even culturally you you guys are so close 
that you know because um anything that you know happens or anything that becomes a trend in united states uh generally comes to australia too and it's but there i will say one thing though because i know that mm-hmm. if there's any australians hopefully listening they'll be like well hang on hang on hang on let's mm-hmm. not get because we do have this funny thing about we do have this funny thing about sort of being perceived as american and mm-hmm. um and i understand because we want to retain our own identity so i respect it and i i've certainly been in that position many times even when i was coming back from the states having lived there and mm-hmm. um you know i experienced it on the personal level where people would say oh wow geez you've really lost your Australian accent and you sound more american that really hit in the heart <laughs> that was like a strike to the that was stabbing me <laughs> right in the abdomen there you know that was killing me but but that being said you know mm-hmm. those kind of smaller things aside it is representative of yes we we do still we're very sensitive still to being seen as sort of an acolyte of the united states because but the problem is is that australia has lost its sense of self-identity for a while now back in the beginning of 2000s you know was i'd say the 20 2000s to 2010 that that period of time that decade was in Mm -hmm. my opinion a really 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 strong part of our history in terms of our economic prowess our we were we were multiple um you know economic surpluses with our mining boom we had the Mm -hmm. 2000 sydney olympics which put ourselves on the front front and center stage of the world and was still heralded as one of the best olympics of all time so we were able to really really broadcast and export our culture to the world um in the space of you know a few months and it was it was an incredible achievement by the people that put it all together and and it was a, a great pr campaign for the way that australia is and there was a huge um you know sort of central multicultural and you know central identity that australians had at that time mm-hmm. unfortunately i think after the, the 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 global financial crisis of 2008 Mm-hmm. It hurt people here because we realized for the first time that maybe our strong reliance on the states as the central economic power and and so forth, you know, we, we really felt sort of the negative side of that for the first time in a long time. And mm-hmm. it hurt a lot of people here. And I think also at the time also our, we were continuing to grow as a nation. Our population was expanding and we eventually just, we now sit at a t- weird time in our lives where Australians don't talk about the same central issues as much or don't have shared cultural experiences. And I'm not saying this is a necessarily a bad thing. There's a, there's a good side of this coin as well, where we can celebrate mm-hmm. the multicultural identities that we have here. And I certainly love that. And I do a lot of work in what I do now in my business to try to, to, to continue to foster that and be a part of these multicultural experiences. So let's just, I just want to keep that as a point on the side, but Unfortunately, we've also continued to sort of not understand who we are as well. And the one when I was a kid, we'd all talk about the same cricket matches on TV, or we would talk mm-hmm. about, you know, um, there would just be something in the news that would be capturing the attention of the of 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 all Australians for a long time, and it'd be on the lips of everybody. Whereas now, we're very siloed. We're very mm-hmm. fragmented. We we there may be a couple of things that obviously bind us all together, but COVID did a, did a, did a number on us by continuing to fragment us. And mm-hmm. it was come, came coming from that Americanized experience, which is, you know, you can, you can forge your own identity and you have every right to it. And of course everyone does, but it mm-hmm. also does have an impact where it says to people that you can set up little sort of like theoretical encampments of your own and bring people into yes. your own urban community. 
mm-hmm. at the expense of others as opposed to the community of others. And so yeah. we've kind of gone down that rabbit hole quite a lot. And also people think mm-hmm. that Australians are so laid back. We are to a degree, mm-hmm. but we don't have as much, even compared to American countries like America that have their own problems, mm-hmm. we are far beyond the curve. We only, back in 2019, New South Wales, the most conservative um, state out of all the states and, and territories of Australia, 2019 mm-hmm. was when we allowed surrogacy to be mm-hmm. ingrained into our, our um, laws and made not illegal anymore. Like really just think about something like that, that people think, oh, of course, Australia, be loose ads <laughs> and have something like that. Like, yeah. Have the right to have your own child if you can't have it until you have allow someone to do it instead and have the legal framework in place. Other countries have Correct. it. We, in yes. MI state, 2019, to this day, we still uh-huh. consider uh, a lot of our older generations still block attempts for, although it's changing, there was a couple of people who actually got uh, members became members of parliament um, this year who were in favor of this, but we still today have don't allow marijuana um, mm-hmm. to be, in cannabis to be, to be consumed. We, there's a lot of people in this country who still demonize it to think that it's a, uh, it's worse than alcohol, even though Australians mm-hmm. on record drink some of the, we have some of the highest, I think in the pandemic, I think we were the highest uh, percentage of drinkers and it was, yeah, it was per capita went, drinkers. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so, we're drinking ourselves into oblivion and yet we <laughs> demonize marijuana, which you know, on record, you know, yes, it has its problems, of course, but no, it has, doesn't have the fatality risk that, that, is, that uh, alcohol does, for instance. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, and talking about gay marriage, for instance, I mean, that only became into law only a few years ago, whereas America mm-hmm. was one of the first countries in order to, not the first, but one of the first to, yeah. to, to start rolling it out across different states. So when people think of Australia, they think, oh, initially they think, oh, yeah, very laid back, this, that, whatever. Yeah, they just follow everything America does. We mm-hmm. still have some very conservative roots that... And we're also, as I said before, quite polarized in certain ways. So we're still a country that's now trying to redefine ourselves and refine our identity again after the COVID crisis. So I don't think we can't do it. I think we can. Australians have a great ability to pull ourselves by our bootstraps. You know, we do know how to stand together during crisis. Like you look at any unfortunate bushfire incidents or flooding, we're very good Mm -hmm. at coming together when there's crisis. But I think one thing we need to be able to be better at is coming together Mm -hmm. when there's not a crisis. And so (laughs) that is the thing. We used to be so good at it. And I just Uh think the polarization and divisions that have been caused over the last uh, decade or so, and particularly exemplified by COVID, have meant that people are very happy to be self-reliant when things are going well. Mm-hmm. And, but then when it's crisis time, obviously excusing COVID because that's, that was dealt very differently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we just failed to really see our fellow man as much as we used to. So I hope that we return to that. And I, and this is also why I love my job because mm-hmm. my job is a big part of bringing people together in pl- ways that they never anticipated. I don't necessarily yes. like on stage, you know, force any specific agenda of course i don't but what i do Mm -hmm. do is i just generally come in and provide a platform and an opportunity for people to be inspired to connect Mm -hmm. to reach across the aisle to to talk to people on the table to shake a hand to somebody that they never thought to shake for so yeah it's uh i love my job for those reasons and i consider myself to be part of that solution yeah i think you know if it just worked on you know, bringing people out of their tribalism, you know, 
that kind of mentality that either you are with me or against me i think mm. someone like you is in a very prime position you know who can change that kind of thought process in people and mm. just influence that you know in a very small way where people might not notice it instantly but it has you know good result in the long term yeah and i'm i'm proud to as you said play a small part but uh yeah no it is it is a good feeling mhm it was very no- nice talking to you nathan um yeah because i did not expect this to be this long of a conversation but it was very <laughs> really? curious with an and MC? interesting for the professional speaking yes. you didn't expect that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it was very interesting to you know learn new things like you know the cruise and uh, you know the work environment there and all these things so it was very nice having you on the show so thank you very much for spending time with us um yeah so uh, if you have any you know final messages to my audience um you know yes. please go at it of course so i would absolutely love to connect with people out there thank you so much for uh yeah i hope you did really learn something today and uh thank you ganesh for having me it's been an absolute privilege to be a part of this experience and on your show i um you definitely opened up some some topics that i haven't talked about in a while so i really appreciate that for all of you out there that are interested in keeping tabs on my journey and of course uh keeping up to date with everything that i'm doing in my mc world perhaps there's some way that i can elevate your next uh guest experience and uh, I can offer my unique entertainment talents to you or if you just like to see some great content from all the stuff that I do uh feel free to check me out on Instagram and Facebook uh Facebook I'm under Nathan Kassar Master Ceremonies and on Instagram I'm Nathan Kassar_mc I'm uh, also happy to connect on LinkedIn as well uh under the same name Nathan Kassar Master Ceremonies and of course my website www.nathankassar.com.au drop me a line would love to hear from you it was very like professional from your side the way you just um you know like put it out there anyways the website link will be in the episode description um so that you know if anyone wants to check you out uh, they can so guys just go on anywhere that you can find him and you know just show support and you know love from our let's say country that is india um yeah so So this is it guys this is the end of the episode thank you for making it this long and until next time take care